You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Why in the world would somebody that lives in Philadelphia move to Newcastle, Indiana? You've been to Newcastle, Indiana, you're wondering that. You're like, what? Brian Nichols just moved. Caleb Franz just moved to the Midwest, and they're with me live at the kitchen table for the first time since 2019. So stay tuned. We're going to talk about why they moved to the Midwest and COVID and all that other good stuff. So stay tuned. Warning. This show is for adults by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the program. It is great to be with you. Thank you for joining us here today. Going to be talking to Brian Nichols of The Brian Nichols Show and Caleb Franz of Profiles on Liberty. Both of them here on the Libertarian Pod... We are Libertarians Podcast Network. Excuse me. Before we start, we always thank our patrons. They're the reason that our three shows exist. And we want to especially thank our $100 a month members, John Pasillo, Lars Nordskog, Jakey Dell, Matthew Durbin, Ryan Hold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. Brian Nichols, like I said in the open, just moved from Philadelphia, and uh, Caleb just moved from Dallas to Louisville, and uh, they talk a little bit about why, and mostly we just ran about COVID. We were talking for an hour and a half about COVID restrictions and ranting, and Brian was like, maybe we should hit record. So that's what this one is about. Make sure you go and subscribe to The Brian Nichols Show and Profiles on Liberty. Caleb has a, a, a series going on right now about Black Founding Fathers that is just tremendous, and you're going to learn a ton. His show is like a great audiobook. You really He puts a lot of research into it, and it's really good. So go check out their shows. So let's continue the conversation right now with Brian Nichols and Caleb Franz. Well, we are back at the kitchen table for the first time since November 2019. That is the last time that we recorded a podcast around the table. And as I mentioned in the intro, Brian Nichols is here. Brian, hello. Hi, Chris. What a lovely voice. And then the dulcet <laughs> no, it's, it's all the, nasally and ugh. the dulcet tones of Caleb Franz. Is it Franz or Franz? Uh, Franz. Franz? Yes. Like friends. Yes, yes. We're all friends here. That's so. all right. I like Franz, though. Can we change it? You can do whatever you okay, want. Okay, all right. The Southern Isles? Yeah. <laughs> That's a frozen joke. 
Uh, so we have just been sitting here ranting about COVID policies for the last hour. <laughs> Brian's <laughs> like, we should start recording this. <laughs> it's, maybe we should give it a, like press record and actually put some of this on tape. You know, Brian, you uh, you both moved actually, which is why we're able to sit around the kitchen table. Uh, we haven't haven't like I said, we've been on Zoom since November 2019 because Harry and Reinhold were driving an hour. It's like let's just do it on Streamyard, and uh, then COVID hit. And obviously, I don't want them in my house. They're vectors like crazy. Um, so we haven't done... I don't think we had an in-person podcast uh, on the Chris Spangle Show in that long. So it's great. We're going to be doing more of it. I've been calling all of our patrons, and they've all said, I miss when you like used to record before and after. And everything everybody liked about the show was because it was in person. So we're going to be doing more of this, especially now that you guys live close. Brian, I have a bone to pick with you. Uh-oh. So... For the 15 years I have been friends with Jeremiah Morrill, the boss hog of Liberty, I have endured the burden of being his friend is getting a link on Zillow to a Newcastle home every three weeks. Hey, why, why don't you buy a house in Newcastle? Well, because you don't have a Chick-fil-A. And nobody wants to live in that, Newcastle, That's a Indiana. perfectly valid reason, exactly. by the way. Uh, just to be clear, I, I am putting oh, my loyalties there. Well, oh, we have one in Muncie. That's 30 minutes away. It's inadequate. Uh, and so you have moved to Newcastle, Indiana, which I'm glad you did. I guess maybe I shouldn't look at it as a burden like he's going to force me. You're the sacrificial lamb. <laughs> I just planted the seed for you. <laughs> oh, see, he's in on it there, now. there are so many places right next door <laughs> across right. the road. You can move right in. He's scoping out homes for you to... Yeah. <laughs> and, and let's be real. The whole reason that we, we are even out here is because you invited me and my wife out here yeah. in, in the summertime for the We Are Libertarians pool party. Right. And you just... You, you were even trying to plant the seeds yeah. to get us out here in the first place. Well, where did the pool party happen? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, where did it happen? So Newcastle. That's right. And where do we go? We went down to the studio, yeah. which is now part of my studio. Yeah, you got the other half now. That's right, yeah. So, like, it, it just kind of worked out perfect, man. I was surprised. Your fault. You did it. I was surprised that you guys actually moved to Indiana because I, for like two years I've been saying, would you just stop bitching and move to Indiana? Because the thing about living here is I've been inconvenienced by lockdowns one time. In 2020, I wanted to go to BW3s at 10.30 at night, and they were a third capacity. Even though it was completely empty, I couldn't go in and eat delicious wings. Uh, that is the only time that lockdowns ever affected my life. Indiana was pretty much done by the July 4th, 2020. Um, because as we talked, once everybody was allowed to go out and protest for BLM, everybody went, oh, okay, yeah, this isn't as serious as we thought. Uh, and Indiana was fairly light. But like, let's start with the beginning of the story like living in philadelphia through the last two years uh we've talked a little bit about this i think but i mean let's go into depth like what is it like for those of us who live in a red state who have a republican supermajority who kind of just went you know all right i know what i should and shouldn't do i'll just be careful and then you know by the end of 2020 you're like I've already had it or, you know, then once the vaccine came out and you could get boosters and all that, like, really, what are we doing here? That doesn't seem to be your experience in Philadelphia. Well, no, um, because the rules kept changing. So mm. 
we, we talk about like moving the goalposts. You saw that like all the time. It, you got, so the rule was you had to get your vaccine and then you go back to normal. That kind of right. was like the, the original goalpost. And then it's like, oh, you need to get your booster. And, and now it's, you know, oh, you have to mask indefinitely. Oh, now you have to have your vaccine passport to go eat at a restaurant. And all these little extra things started getting sprinkled in to take more and more away. It, almost as a sense of like a punishment. And there was also the sense of just no optimism whatsoever. It was like everybody was in this constant state of uncertainty, anxiety, and un- unable to plan things effectively. Our, yeah. our my wife's sister, my sister in law, she's getting ready to get married here this year, and uh, for a party, you know, to be- being able to effectively plan, like, hey, we have people who are unvaccinated. Will they be allowed into the venue? Yeah. Little things like that that you just you don't think about when you're out in in a red state because you don't think about it. It's not, it's not a thing that you should have to think about, but the fact that it has not only been a thing that is on everybody's mind constantly, it's also seeped into just how people interact with one another. We've seen an uptick in, in homicides like crazy. There's drug overdoses. There's suicides running rampant. It's killing kids. Like they're, they're, you're seeing kids. I think the literacy rates were dropping to like the, the you know, tw- is it 20, 20% Caitlin? What was it for Philly? It was bad, though. It was really bad. Like, your average kid, their, their rates were, were plummeting over the past two years because kids aren't going to school. Um, they're, you know, they're not being able to track the kids as they go in. It's, it's been wild. Did you read the book, Outliers, where in, there's a chapter in there where they're talking about low-income families and higher-income families? and Is that the Malcolm? Uh, yeah, the Glad Malcolm Glad book. And, and talking about how wealthy families or higher-income families will take their kids to museums through the summer and reinforce learning and read to them and kind of engage them in learning activities. And then lower income families, the parents have to work and they can't necessarily afford to take the time to take them to museums or to read to them. They're, they're kind of on a survival mode. And so the beginning of the year tests for lower income kids are always less than the higher income kids. Now imagine two years of no schooling and not just two months, right? Like that's the, really the cost that's that we're going to bear out in the future even here in Indiana, when I did the Now Hear This show, 300% calls into the suicide hotline, doubling to quadrupling the amount of need at the Gleaners Food Bank, uh, which supplies food banks. Right now in um, Bloomington, there's a food bank that is empty. So we're not, I mean, they literally have nothing left. They got picked clean uh, in Bloomington, which is a fairly affluent community. So, I mean, if we had light touches in terms of lockdowns compared to a place like Philadelphia, I can't imagine the impact of that. Like when we were planning our wedding, our concern was older people in our family that might come and want to be a part of it. It's like we didn't think about that, but we went to a beach in Florida because we didn't know if the city would, in the Delta search, take that away. Like it is just all these uncertain rules that don't make sense. But like when was the la- how long before you could go to the gym, for instance? I never went back to the gym, honestly. I mean, I, huh. I don't even know what the rule was because, frankly, I did not want to wear a mask when I'm working out just because that's just that sucks. Um, I yeah. went to the, I went to the gym once wearing a mask, and the first I was doing a shoulder press. I remember, I, I put the weight up and I breathed out. My glasses fogged up, <laughs> and I couldn't see in the mirror. And I'm like, right. I don't know. I'm done. All yeah, right, I don't this know where the it. weights are going. <laughs> um, so I was like, yeah, I'm never gonna do this again. Um, and I I went home, and I pretty much was in the mentality of like, I won't go to the gym until I don't have to wear a mask. Yeah. Uh, so I was end up working out at home pretty much, which thank God for, you know, at home workouts and, and weights and stuff. But otherwise, yeah, I, I did not, I, I, I did not see really, 
I didn't really see too much of an uptick in people going back to the gym either. I, yeah. I would drive by the gym and you'd see the gym would be pretty much like half the parking lot, quarter of the parking lot would be full. And it used to be jam-packed, like overflowing into the, the Target mm. parking lot. Normal, like your average person didn't want to, to go into that environment. It, yeah. it, it, and we saw a direct difference between the way that people would approach the policy and then the way the politicians would approach the policy based on what they thought people would want versus like what the actual person wanted. Right. And and that's we were talking about beforehand, how we really saw that show with Jack Cittarelli over in New Jersey. He was the guy who ran against uh, Phil Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. He, her boy, that's right. Um, we'd see the commercials. He'd come out wearing his leather jacket, but he would always talk. <laughs> he was the opposite of Murphy. And he was talking about the most important issues, lockdowns, uh, school choice initiatives, you know, the fact that kids were forced to be home for the past two years. Uh, and he ended up pretty much a no name. He was an assemblyman. I think it was for mm-hmm. a few years. And he ended up being within a few thousand votes of, yeah. of Murphy. And what was supposed to be a completely safe seat. New Jersey. New Jersey. For governor, right. Yeah. And and the fact that he got that close, I think it opened up a lot of politicians' eyes that this isn't popular. Yeah. And we saw with the COVID surge in, in the past few months here of the winter that a lot of these politicians doubled down. But now they're they're realizing that not only was that not the way that people wanted things to go, but now we're seeing a direct response from people, not just like being against this stuff, but like actively going against the government. And we're seeing this really unfold in Canada. Like that's what's yeah. happening with the Freedom Convoy. People are done, and uh, and rightfully so. It's been it's been two years of this insanity, and people just want to go back to some sense of normalcy. Well, that's that's kind of what we saw in in Virginia too, right? With with yeah. Yunkin, like uh, Virginia, I had lost hope for a long time ago, uh, but this this past uh, fall and and the and the red wave that kind of swept through the the state. I was really surprised, but it was really obvious uh, why that was. And now, like, people are starting to realize, like, this is not a sustainable solution. It's the never-ending emergency. Like, I was telling them before, I was 18 when 9-11 happened. So I lived through Iraq and the build-up to that war, and everything we're experiencing now is exactly what we experienced then, except you flip-flop sides. Like, the predominant cultural influence was the Republican administration. The culture was conservative. They punished people like Neil Young and and the Dixie Chicks and people who spoke out against the war, which was a very small minority of people in the beginning, and then it snowballed, and then Ron Paul capitalized on it. And that's how many of us kind of heard non-interventionism in the libertarian world for the first time. But Democrats had kind of been holding that post um, I'd say grassroots Democrats, people like Joe Biden were for the war. Uh, and I voted for it before I voted against it. As John Kerry said in 2004. And now it's just so interesting to see people like Neil Young, who were like victims of being silenced, being on the opposite side of that, that kind of stuff. But the never ending emergency of Iraq, look at all that that led to not just the debt, the domestic spying program, the division in our culture that sprouted the seeds of now, and it, I think people, maybe there is an awareness, and I see it in the the left-leaning people that I talk to in the pat-down, like, I'm ready to go back to normal. Like, why is everybody more afraid? We've got boosters. What are you, what are you doing? You know, why is... My, like, we went to the Y the other day, and it's a big Y downtown, and the only people required to wear masks are the three to eight-year-olds in the play and learn. And you walk in, and it's 20 kids under three. They're all sick not wearing masks, and then they force our kid to wear a mask. They didn't have any because they had run out of masks, three boxes of 500 in a week, 
do that math. And then she's getting put in timeout because she's doing the normal thing, which is taking the mask off, right? But then you walk out in the building and 98% of the adults are not wearing a mask. So what's the point? What's the medical reason that you're putting a toddler in timeout for taking off a mask? What's the point? You know, so it's just these uneven, like the seeds at the Walmart in Michigan, or you, oh, you yeah, can't, I forgot about that. You can't <laughs> go, you can't go protest against the lockdowns, but you can go protest for George Floyd. Like the, the, this, Caleb, you mentioned this. I want you to talk about it. It's the greatest, like, I think it's pretty clear that the central planning th- that we all figured would fail failed. The John Hopkins study, which we'll dig in deep later, it's like, the vaccines were the only thing that mostly worked. Um, our best laid plans didn't happen. I, I think also a lot of people mistakenly, uh, reasonably to some degree uh, at the beginning, but mistakenly um, judge the intentions of, of the people implementing these policies as altruistic or right. good. And <laughs> that has very much proven to be not the case. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, those, those intentions weren't ever there, but it's very clear that like they got a taste of power yeah. and they didn't want to give it up and they would much rather move the goalpost than let people go back to normal. And yeah. everyone just kind of assume like, oh, this will be over if we all do what they say then. And, and we all uh, march lockstep, then we will eventually get to the end of this. And then now people are finally starting to realize, actually, probably not if if that's the case we're not going to end this until we actually start to push back against why are we taking our shoes off at the airport yeah (laughs) why are you still doing that because once the government takes a power they don't give it back and so you know i've really tried to push my audience which is center right center left to like realize what you do now in philadelphia with vaccine passports you know you see somebody talking the other day about you know we need an AIDS vaccine. It was Harry, Prince Harry. Well, now you better get that or you're not going to go see the documents of freedom in Philadelphia. Or you better get your flu shot because flu Rona exists, right? Like, it's only going to continue to expand until people stand up and say no. And I, Austin Peterson uh, thought it was funny when I shared it, but he was the only one that got it because in April of 2020, I just posted... You can open your business if you're not a pussy. <laughs> People thought I was joking, but like, I'm serious. You, If you don't do it now, yeah. it's only going to continue to expand. Justin Trudeau is showing you that it is about obedience. You need to obey me. It doesn't matter that 83% of America is vaccinated. We've realistically reached herd immunity. You need to obey and that is what it is about. Well, it's so clear that it's about obedience, too, because when you have a lot of these cities, uh, which fortunately, I think they're starting to realize like they don't have as much power in this situation as they thought they did. But with the vax ports, it's, it's so obvious that it's just about obedience because like Washington, D.C., for example, when they implemented theirs, uh, they were very clear that a negative COVID test is not a good excuse to not have a vaccine passport. And it's like, well, what's the point? Like, is is the purpose of this to make sure you're not spreading the virus? Right. Because a negative COVID test would do that just as much as, as a vaccine passport. So it should be either or under that under that line of thinking. But it's 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 about like making sure that you are doing what the state says that they want you to do. Yeah. Isn't it funny how the, the experts that were always propped up to were the state experts? It was never anybody outside the apparatus. If you yeah. brought up anybody who brought up anything in terms of the main narrative, 
Then you, they were labeled as a quack, a conspiracy theorist, and and they were pushed either they either pushed to the side or they are either banned on, on social media. So we see that there has been also to Caleb's point a consolidation more towards this. You can only trust the government narrative, and we we can see this go into the foreign policy here. Yeah, with the well, Ukraine. Yeah, Richard Engel. Yeah. Richard Richard Engel tweets out last night that they have that Putin. They have some document and and that a defense. Department spokesperson says X, Y, and Z. Didn't give the name. And we're just supposed to trust this journalist who is verifying information through the government. Right. That is what journalism is now. It is going to a government authority to validate the piece of information, not Cy Hirsch going and investigating the My Lai maskers and powers covering things up. It's it's backwards. And you're seeing it with Ukraine. Like Ukrainians are going, please stop talking, Joe Biden. You're making it worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you're not helping the situation. If they invade, it's probably going to be because, like, all of the international community is provoking him to actually yeah. invade. Uh, and that just is completely falling on, on yeah. daft ears. It's literally the meme where the two people are fighting with crabs, and then there's a crowd <laughs> of people around them. Yeah. Like, our government is yeah. the crowd in Ukraine. Yes, I mean, so what is the psychology of, of the people that you meet in Philadelphia, like, what are the, what are the 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 avatars that you kind of meet in in a place like Philadelphia when you lived out there? I was just gonna say that's exactly <laughs> what I was gonna say. Not not just those people, but I'm sure there's people like you that kind of are you know there's there's like a strain of different type of people. Oh, they're terrified like, to speak out though. Really, your average person is so afraid to speak out because the the group think mentality is so real in mm. Philly, especially with the, the hive mind leftist approach to things. It gets really bad. Mm. Um, and your average person is afraid to speak out of when they see something wrong, they're like, well, I'm just following the rules or I don't want to go against whatever the, the group is saying because I don't want to be the one that's awkward and cast out. Yeah. And, and I think we see that in, in a lot of these you know big cities, especially because you're in such close proximity, you kind of feel part of this larger community and that you have a responsibility in a lot of cases to like do your part almost. Yeah. But there comes a point where you see this, this push more towards this collective mentality of we're all in this together. Right. And, and that has now permeated even beyond what it was originally pushed for the, the narrative of the past two years. And it's like in any, in any initiative, it's like, Oh, we're doing uh you know, an anti gun campaign because if it saves one life, because we're all in this together, it's right. like that. And that mentality has gone into other areas as well. And are things getting better? No. And, and that right there is where we're seeing more people leave those cities because they're so tired of seeing their tax dollars, not going to making things better, but actually things are getting like substantially, substantially worse, worse yeah. in some of these substantially cities. worse. Yeah. I talked to one of our patrons last night from Portland and they're oh, like, geez, the yeah. people there are up in arms over this new tax that are supposed to help the homeless. And it's going to everything, but you know, like road taxes here, don't go to roads. They go to the, to anything else. They go to help cops. They go to help firefighters. It doesn't go to roads here. Um, yeah. The uh, people want to be nice. It's like, you know, people will wear a mask to your business if you ask them to. They'll be nice. But there comes a point when, like, we're reaching that point pretty quickly where the middle of the extremes is going, I'm done being nice. Well, there has to be <laughs> rationality, too. Like, right. you, so we talk about this in the world of sales where you, people make decisions based on emotions, but then they have to rationalize that with logic right. afterwards. Yeah. And yeah. that's why it's so important when you're going through the sales process that you, you identify what are the emotional triggers that are going to push somebody to make a buying decision, but then what can you give them to when they're sitting 
afterwards or We're thinking about it when right. sitting on the in their chair at like 11 p.m and like just i like need, thinking about like what me, just happened let there? me look at this oh yeah thing. why yeah. is my toddler in a mask yeah <laughs> but like they, and they i'm not check the, the the features and benefits right they want to rationalize that decision that they made with logic and reason and that's right there where people are at they can't do that anymore they see that there is no connection with the emotional fear that they feel and the tangible outcome of what these policies were promoted to have actually accomplished. Yeah. And actually, if you were to go use the Tom Woods quiz, which I do love, that compares the different charts, mm-hmm. there is no discernible difference between those states or cities that went and enforced these different mandates no, versus not. those no. that didn't. You can't pick it out. And same, that's same I love with, that quiz. Like, same with, with countries, too. Exactly, like, yes. It, people who, or the countries and, and the cities and the states who had strict lockdowns, had spikes, the, the cities and, and countries and states that that had very little to no lockdowns also had spikes and they also went down. There was no correlation between like, let's lock down. So I, so that way we can make sure that people stop getting sick because people got sick regardless. It just ran its natural course. And now we're finally getting to a variant of, of COVID that is uh, by, you know, by, by all measures that, uh, that we can tell at this point, uh, a, a very mild variant that may like, bring about the end of COVID much more than any of the measures that the government tried to put together. Which we kind of knew was going to happen. Well, yeah. yeah. Anyone, right? anyone with any sort of like logic in their in their brain would just know that like, yeah, it, the things that we were taught about how viruses and immune systems work in grade school still apply, yeah. and it's happening today. <laughs> all, all you had to do was just do a little bit of research at the beginning you know, like John Campbell, I've mentioned his YouTube channel. I watched him, you know, religiously the first couple months, and he's like, "All right, if you're over 65, you really need to be cautious. Maybe take it care, be careful. Wait for the vaccine. Wait for this or that. You know, but if you're 22, you're going to be fine. You're going to be, you know. And so it's if you did some research in the beginning, you were okay. And anybody who lived through Iraq and all that stuff knew exactly how this was going to play out, and it has. Because or at least learn the lessons they're of They're not Iraq. going... Yeah, exactly. They're not going to let you go back to normal until you push for it and demand it and speak up, mm-hmm. and your voice has to be heard and counted, you know, and if you don't, we're never going to go back. You're never going to be able to go to Washington, D.C. or Philadelphia and see Independence Hall or the Declaration of Independence without a vaccine and a mask, and it like... It's Checking your papers to go see the documents like, of liberty. <laughs> literally, I, I I don't know. It's I I think it's just kind of comical, and people are starting to see it. They're just too afraid to sp- speak up because there's a lot of liberals that I talk to, or progressives, I should say, that don't speak their mind because they don't want people to think they're a DeSantis fan or an anti-vaxer. Well, and that, that's that crazy. Was, that was the narrative for for uh, a while too. Was that whenever these mask uh, mandates were starting to lift, a lot of like a lot of people on the left on on Twitter and and just out and about were like, "I'm still going to wear my mask, not because I'm scared, but because I don't want people to think I'm a, a Republican." And yeah. it's like. So you you clearly aren't doing this for any scientific reason, yeah. but you still want to lecture me about being like having the moral superiority on who's right on the science. Well, that's yeah, that's the answer right there. It was never about protecting yourself or protecting somebody else. It was showing that you were morally superior. Right. Um, again, sister-in-law living in the heart of Philadelphia, she was talking about how like she had neighbors who would judge if you didn't wear your mask when you were outside walking yeah. your dog. And it's like, who does that? What kind of person does that? And, and it goes into 
the morally superior mentality. Like, yeah. I'm doing this. Why aren't you? Yeah, because like it's what we were talking about, I, I think, before we started this was like it's become a, a religious cult like yes. you've you've sinned if you don't have your mask on or if you catch covid you clearly mm-hmm. are doing that because it's like a punishment well and that's why you see also the uptick <laughs> in like the articles of well the unvaccinated person who died like and yeah. it's always the the laugh react or, or the or, or the yeah yeah yeah, yeah or exactly. you you didn't do anything wrong if you have covid don't be ashamed yeah. and, or, and then and then the other part that just drives me crazy is if the the narrative of the person got covid but if I didn't have my vaccine, it would have been a lot worse, too. It's like no, everybody's going to get Omicron. It's pretty much going to be the same outcome yeah. Yeah. because Omicron's a pretty mild disease. I mean, I or as it. Bill Gates said, sadly, sadly. it's like a vaccine. <laughs> yeah, right. That like, was, that was dude, great. Bill, like, sadly. Out loud. <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not on their team about you, Bill. But man, that was not a good slip, buddy. <laughs> like you can't you're not helping yourself when you say sadly, the uh, the natural immunity built from Omicron is works like sadly, oh, our argument have well and it makes sense all of a sudden why natural immunity was not discussed for forever i went so i was (laughs) true true story i'm in my office i'm talking to my vp of sales yeah and i i'm talking he and he brought something about the vaccine he's like people just gotta get the vaccine i said i said well what if somebody had natural immunity because they got it before and he looked at me like like 100 honestly like what's that (laughs) <laughs> and, and I, I just fell the chair. I'm like, natural immunity. You know, if you get the if you get the the disease, like or the virus, you you are much less susceptible to get in yeah. the future because your body will recognize it and can fight it. He goes, I haven't heard about that before. Oh, like, I, and I'm like, biology. Well, 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 what's what's insane about what's insane about this is that like the experts, TM, is like they're treating this like it's the first time we've ever had. A virus right like in history like we've never experienced virology before or anything like that it's like we already know these things and the things that we already knew the things that we were taught uh from like grade school about how our immune systems work that's still playing out the same way even though like anyone who pointed that out was going to be like banned on facebook and, got, and, and I, yeah i got shot down for being you know spreading hate hate speech or or crazy anti-vaxxer yeah Yeah. like and the and the misinformation stuff like i'm currently throttled my algorithm will not feed me to people on facebook because i posted a meme that said we're ten thousand days the berlin wall stood for ten thousand days we've had it stood ten thousand days you did not get hit for that yes what because it's misinformation and so all of these different things that, that were crafted over the last two years to fight COVID misinformation are now, I've gotten hit for um, an environmental uh, thing. See, that's, just, that's the next step. That's it, the next the, step. You get ready. Yeah. It's, it, it, so, did, have you read John Barry's book about the 1918 flu? Uh, oh. Uh, about the Great Influenza, I think it's called. I, the Spanish I've, flu. I've seen yeah. it. I've I know not read it. called that anymore. Yeah. I read that book like the first month, and I'm so glad I did because yeah. so much stuff, if you go back, go back with hindsight now and read that book. Like Philadelphia is mentioned in it because Philadelphia in 1918, it was this epicenter of people. It was hit really hard. Oh, yeah. People... Yeah rely like they didn't have good leadership at the city they got lied to by the city's elite and when they realized they had been lied to later it turned violent in the city um because that like people just realized like these didn't these guys didn't have our best interest at heart and you've you've seen so much like the anti-mask league of san francisco that has come out of it like you've watched history repeat itself and you had three big waves 
and then it just kind of went away and every effort that the, they made in that period to like try and calm it didn't work like you just had to let the virus burn through and run its course like pull me once right on you you know what pull i mean me, like the, pull me twice you, the information, you can't pull me a third time <laughs> yeah the information's there, out there <laughs> yeah does, does it not speak though to the absolute arrogance of some of our our bureaucrats and our our government that officials? they can literally control a virus and control human biology and can control and this everything. same mentality i'm not i know this is not where we're talking today but this is the exact same mentality we have with climate change um and this is i know i've i've not made a lot of friends because i brought on some people who have been very dissenting voices about the the narrative when it comes to anthropogenic climate change and not necessarily in terms of what we're doing but the impact we can have and it is that mentality that we can control yeah. the, the stuff that we can't control. And there is this, it almost goes into a religious mentality of understanding that there are things that are beyond your control and to be okay with that, to be at peace with that and to, to almost trust God's plan, right? The idea of faith, that's where the idea of you know faith, you're putting your faith into something else or taking that best interest at heart, even though you don't know what the next step's gonna be and you yourself can't verify you're putting that blind trust into that higher being. Right. Sorry about that. No, you're okay. I'm, I'm so used to my microphone being stable. stable this guy's yeah. heavy too, by the way. I know. Yeah. I lift, I lift your weights. You got to. You got to have the pinky up. <laughs> Dainty. P- pinkies out, and that kind of helps balance it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you're yeah. the the old pro here, <laughs> Spangle. Um, but no, you you do see this this push more towards this um this. We need to have this one size fits all solution. Yeah. And don't question it. Because if you do, you're you're not trusting the science. You're you want grandma to die, right? That you're and not that on was, the team. Ex- you're, and and if you're not on the team, not only should you be cast out, you need to be punished. And that's what we're seeing in Canada is that group of people who have stood up to not just say this is wrong, but now they're actually fighting back. Now they have to be punished. Despite I think it's Ontario just decided to pull back their their mandates yesterday, two days ago, and yet they're still punishing the people who are fighting against said mandates why because control because yep. if if we let them have the win it defeats the narrative of the past two years years ago when alex jones in a single day was pulled from 12 different platforms including his yeah. shopify account his yep. paypal account you know i said at the time this is terrible you shouldn't do this and if we don't say something now it will expand and everyone kind of gave it a pass oh it's alex Alex jones Jones, right like and you you let them get away with playing with people's money they're going to keep doing that well it was it was it was him it was milo yiannopoulos Mm -hmm. it was laura loomer right remember she she got um her banks wouldn't let her people you can't defend and you don't want to defend but you need to defend right and that's why i'm so pissed at the aclu over the past few years because more than the past few years but i mean (laughs) this is the organization that used to go defend the rights of nazis to have free speech and now they're defending the right to censor what is considered misinformation online for covid purposes like that's how how far these organizations that were originally the, the bastions of civil liberties have lost their way. And it can happen overnight. And I think sometimes we as Americans get a little cocky because we're like, that can't happen here. Mm-hmm. It is happening here. We're seeing it happen here. We're seeing it happen in our northern border. We're seeing it happen across the Atlantic over in Europe. And it's happening right now. And yeah. yet we still have 
the arrogance that we see our politicians also reflect back of, well, it can't happen here. The politicians, you know, trying to control the uncontrollable. We have to really start to humble ourselves and focus on the, the small things that we can control. And that's in our immediate circles, yeah. our communities. And, and frankly, it starts with us cleaning our own room. I know we were joking beforehand. Yeah, about my, room's a, my room's a mess. <laughs> yeah, I, we weren't shown the room on the tour because yeah. we were told the room is a mess, so we can't look. But um, Jordan Peterson would be so he mad. He would be so sad. Um, but no, we need individuals to make themselves the best version of themselves first yeah. and and i know it's very like tony robbins but how can we expect other people to take our solutions seriously if we are a hot mess it's it's what we talked about at the beginning of the pandemic the government can the best the government can do is twelve hundred dollars <laughs> and if you don't have savings the government can give you twelve hundred dollars mother fucking breadcrumbs <laughs> right <laughs> You need savings because you need you know, right. So there's that's just the best that they can do. Yeah, the uh, like the, when the Nazis wanted or when the Klan and the Nazis wanted to have a rally in Skokie, Illinois, and the government said no. The ACLU came in and defended. And people tend to look at these situations like there's two sides. You're either on the side of the Nazis or the government. But there's a third side, and that's the ACLU. You want to be the ACLU. Two sides that I don't particularly want right. To you you have either. to be on the side of the principle, and so how you viewed BLM and the the way that Black Lives Matter protests of all the different varieties, you you take out the people who are looting, who are destroying property, and you leave the people alone who are peacefully protesting. Like in LA, you saw cops going in and just beating the crap out of people who were just peacefully standing there blocking the road. And yet, they would not go and stop people for who were smashing windows right. and looting stores. Right. Which, to your average person, makes them makes say, no sense. what the fuck? Right. You're, like, not, you're against the principle, but not the crime. Right. And so, you know, you if you look at the truckers, you've got to be, if you were on the side of the rule of law, and yeah, you can't block streets in LA, then you can't block them in, in Ontario. But you need to look at this stuff as the principle, like the principle to stand up and speak out against your government. I've become much more sympathetic to protests these last two years. Regardless because, of what regardless, they are. Yeah. Because well, that's the only way you're going to get attention. Kong. I mean, that's yeah. that, that was the ultimate starting off your yeah. protest, yeah. ironically enough, in 2019. Yeah. Um, and it shows, I think, really the importance of being able to stand up and speak out when you're seeing wrong and, and to do so despite the consequences and thank god you have somebody up in canada like the the, the truckers and the freedom convoy who are doing that because yeah. we are seeing not just the different provinces in canada starting to pull back their restrictions but we're seeing a lot of states and, and localities here in the united states following suit yeah and i gotta say it's gotta be a direct result not only just of the fact that these policies are so unpopular yeah but they see the writing on the wall that if this happens here like it will it will crush so many different areas the thing about extremists is that they always overstay their welcome yeah. and and it doesn't matter if it's a right left a moderate militant you know, <laughs> like they go too far and they piss people off when they're activists. And eventually the people are polite. They don't say anything. And then when they go for too far, they jump on you. They, they pile on. Right. And that's where we're headed. Um, let's take a quick break. Uh, and when we come back, let's, you know, we've identified the problem, which is that we're not in charge. Uh, so when we come back, we're going to talk about, you know, Brian moving to, uh, 
to Newcastle, Indiana. You moving from Dallas. We didn't even get to you. You moved from Dallas to Louisville, but you don't have like a sexy story like Brian. You just kind of move for like life stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be Basically. close to family. Basically. Um, but when we come back, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, where's Brian and, and Caleb and taking it? What are we going to do and all that good stuff? So it's a, stay tuned. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us, Brian. So you've moved to Newcastle, Indiana. And I don't know how or why, but your boss said you're happier. Because if I lived in Newcastle, Indiana, I'd be depressed, I'd be bored, I'd be having blackout curtains because Jeremiah would be outside my window trying to force friendship every five minutes. Has he left you alone? Like, is Jeremiah coming over unannounced, Caitlin? Like, not yet okay all right they they were actually so instrumental and i was actually getting our house like moved into like jeremiah was there with a horse trailer like helping us unload everything sarah's mom was there helping us unload our u-haul to put it into a storage facility right before we moved in like the fact that jeremiah and sarah were were helping us has made it so much easier to actually move in. So thank God. So what was it about the pool party and you guys coming out here that like it sparked it for you guys that this would actually be... Because I was always like half joking like because I didn't think you'd actually move. (laughs) But I'm like, come on, pussy. If you don't like it, move. Do something about it. And you actually took us up on that. Yeah. What what was it about that trip that... You underestimated how much Philadelphia sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a part of it. Um but honestly, so going back to my CEO, you mentioned him and saying that I'm a lot happier. Well, he has a saying, and I love this saying. I, I use it all the time, is good people bring out the good in people. Yeah. And when we came out here to visit for the wall pool party, it was just intoxicating. Like mm. the positivity. Mm. And there's there is something to be said about surrounding yourself, not just with people who have shared experiences, but people who also have shared values, shared principles, and shared goals. Yeah. And in Philadelphia, that was apparently obvious that that was difficult to find. And just by the nature of how Philadelphia is set up, you want to go downtown, you got to drive 40 minutes, and then you got to spend 35 minutes looking for parking. <laughs> and And, you know, the entire time surrounded by other people who... Not only aren't your target market, they're actively against you. Yeah. And that alone being here has made the biggest difference. And we really saw it on display when we came to visit back in July because everybody was just oh, like out of their way, above and beyond nice. The, it was, and it was so refreshing to was, not. Literally, question. everybody was just being themselves too. And that's the thing. You it, probably thought, oh, they're so putting crazy. on a show for us Philly people. <laughs> like, this is how everybody is. Uh, and I joked, I was like, you guys did a great job <laughs> after we yeah. left. And, and you guys were like, yeah, it was just us being us. And that's right. truly why when we first went out here, that seed was planted because, yeah, good people bring out the good in people. And I, I cannot encourage people enough to surround themselves more with good people because, I, I mean, if not, for your happiness, it's it's for your ability to network with like-minded people and to really flourish in that specific area. Because if you can have the sh- shared values and goals, you're not focusing on the nonsense stuff. So, like, yeah. I use this example with my dad the other day, and it's funny because I've been joking with my dad now about coming down to visit here to get him to yeah. down here. And when I was talking to him, I was like, "Here's here's why the conversation is different." In Indiana, we're having a conversation about really promoting like school choice, right? right? Whereas in New York, you're fighting to get your Second Amendment rights back yeah. with the stupid New York Safe Act. Like, there is a 
there is a difference in having to constantly play defense yeah. and to actually be focusing on like, oh, hey, we're getting real tangible steps on getting things really better versus just like always having to fight back and play defense and having to respond to narratives versus you're the one out there actually setting the narrative and having success getting things like installed and implemented. So yeah, it's been it's been awesome. One of the things about Indiana that has made Indiana yes, yes. and Indianapolis special is that everybody gets along. And I think that like a lot of hardcore libertarians will go, that's horrible. Why would you do that? But the fact that like Mark Rutherford What's goes... the fun in that? Right. <laughs> Come on. I can't be a social misfit to people if I'm... You know, like it's... Libertarians, Republicans, and Democrats, like it started with the city committee. Now, a lot of this came with some big spending projects, but it did make the city livable. I will give them that. You heard us talk about it with Rob Kendall and that vibe that's the bad part of it the good part is like school choice for example the mayor uh, the democratic mayor in 2004 i think it was introduced charter schools to indianapolis and that's because democrats republicans independents everybody got together every thursday morning for breakfast and said what do we want indianapolis to be what do we want to turn it into? And po- political parties came second. It was the shared values, the shared goals of we all want kids to get a good education because if we get them a good education, they're going to have more prosperity. We're going to have th- the poor black areas. If they have good education, they're going to have more opportunity. And so, th- you know, the the values of educating children coming first meant that the mission for Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, Independents turn into school choice on a, on a statewide scale you my sister is sending her kids to ips like would you send your kids to the philadelphia school system or would you want to go to a private school or a township school or somewhere else right we we want to send our kids to ips because it's a great education right like well we want to homeschool but we may not have so cho- you, some you, choices you, there. you said you hate sales but right there you yeah. don't hate sales because Sales is nothing more than like building real solutions. Yeah. And and that's where people are looking for politics. And, and this is the the unfortunate reality is that we see politics as a means to get in in too many cases our principles into into action. Yeah. Whereas your average person is looking at politics as a means to solve problems right. that they see. So if we can start to solve those problems even outside of the political infrastructure, just by the very nature of building these solutions in the private sector, then they are no longer the conversations that are making their way to the ballot box, but rather it's it's la- the larger conversations, right? It's it's about now we're talking about re- changing the conversation towards funding students versus funding systems, right. and then you're not having to to constantly play catch up every single like every single time that something bad happens you have to like start over from square one it's it's you're building on the, the shared the shared success right. almost when you look at dion on the pat down yeah dion is a bernie sanders socialist <laughs> and i am a, a right-leaning a friendship too and i love dion and dion and i have taught each other a lot i've taught he's taught me a lot at least um Dion and I don't want anything different in terms of people's lives. Like he wants socialized medicine because he wants the same outcome that I He wants better healthcare. He wants better healthcare. He wants better results. It's a means to an end. Right. Yeah. And and like that's that that's part of what scares me about people like you fleeing the blue states is because as we continue to silo away from each other, the people in Philadelphia 
deserve a Brian Nichols in their midst. You know, need a Brian Nichols in their midst. In need, some way. maybe not deserve. But, <laughs> but it, it's... That, that, was, that was a joke that, yeah, that, that yeah. you caught. But no, but you know what I mean? Like, do you think that the people ble- fleeing blue states drives our polarization more because people like... Like, uh, go listen, like I said last week, to to the Joe Rogan episode where, about the N-word with me, Deanna, Miss Pat. I used to think that you shouldn't say the N-word because you get in trouble for it. And that's not, you don't want to suffer consequences. Now, I don't say it because I love my black friends and I know how that affects them. I have empathy for them. I want to honor my friends, right? Like, that's a totally different psychological shift once you've had experiences with other people, like I'm, I'm very thick headed. Like I need to experience something to understand it. Um, so does it concern you that you guys that like you're fleeing blue States like Philadelphia and Texas? Do you, do you, yeah. Do you, do I guess the, I would answer that with a question. Do you see that with, uh, are you resentful if you go to target over Walmart? Right. And, right. And, and the, the reason being is cause it's almost like a self selection and where we're, we're, air quotes doing business in this mm-hmm. case it's i'm my doing business is living where, where am i gonna live right and and i think you don't even like go back to the whole thing we're talking about before with covid your context of covid out here was so different than mine way different right because you didn't have to even think about that but so, my my context of like the right wing and how crazy some of those people are is probably different than yours absolutely because i'm like no these guys are like really not good no no <laughs> you know I, I 100% I mean? but yeah. but at least you can address that on your playing ground right in that world versus if you're if you're constantly trying to like get the overwhelming majority of people to change their mind like that's not even in our wheelhouse like it's not in our marketplace right. so like why spend that time and i know that sounds weird like counterintuitive like why aren't you reaching out for more people but like you have to go after the people who are your actual market. Like you can't go after people who you want to be your target market. It has to be people who are actually your target market. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see this, I think, a lot from LP National is that they they so badly want to convince your like elitist leftist that like, listen, your ideas are just wrong. You just you be convinced. You have me on Morning Joe enough. <laughs> You'll just be convinced, right, of my libertarian ideas, and and that's unfortunately not who's ever going to be our our target market. Like they're never going to jump on board with the ideas of liberty overnight. And we have to understand that in that world, our target market is going to be probably just more like your average person. I was just in Wisconsin doing a business event with a, like probably 200, 300 or so business owners, and I would say it was probably leaning a little bit more Republican-ish, but like split pretty even from, and it was not even an ideologically centered uh, conversation. It was just small business owners and entrepreneurs who were tired of government getting in their way and looking to network together to find real common solutions to the problems that they see in the business environment. So I'm talking to them and overtly non-political conversations and talking about shared values. And it was quite obvious that these people that I'm speaking to resonate with the ideas of liberty and they are so on board with the idea of like, don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. Let me be a small business owner, a solution builder versus somebody who's constantly responding to government red tape, constantly having to, you know, struggle 
bribing a politician in order to get funding for some pet project. Like, let me actually do what I want to do without having to jump over these stupid barriers and hurdles. And if we can talk to them, we can build a massive movement because there's so many people. They are the, the number one untapped demographic. And the reason that they don't get politically active is because they are terrified that government will be used against them. Yeah. But th this is why I'm so excited, especially going to that event, is because you're seeing business owners starting to fight back. They're mm -hmm. tired. They're, they're looking for alternatives. So let's give them a real alternative, a real viable solution. They're, yeah. they're open for it. Let's go. And, and I mean, as long as you're, you're like leading with, you're not leading to dominate. You know, like my experience with the pat down talking to tens of thousands of people a week and the majority of them are center left, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> they I get a lot of I don't agree with you and I don't know that I'll be a libertarian, but I at least know you're not a caricature. You're not out to hurt me. You're not Ayn Rand who's just selfish like you actually we share some values. We're talking about the same things like you have empathy. I will give you an op I will at least give you a thought. You know what I mean? And that's, I think, all libertarians can do in the future is, like, don't lead with your chin. Rex Bell has talked about this forever. That's why Indiana has been successful as LP. Like, we don't lead with our chin, right? Like, you lead with where's the public at, and then you go and talk to them about those issues, things like school choice, healthcare. There's a reason Eric Larson's on the network. Pull the string in my back so I can do my, like, Toy Story Woody phrase. Meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Like, yeah. literally, that's as easy as it is, and yet we overcomplicate it all the time because we have this very pretty and beautiful philosophy mm -hmm. that we so badly want other people to also appreciate, and we lead with that, whereas we... we fail to understand that that's yeah. not what people like about us they like what that does for them libertarians love the systems yes they love the systems and they they forget about and the, the principles the messiness of life and the messiness of the public conversation um <clears throat> i guess caleb we should let you talk what hey caleb hey brian how are you Doing good, we've buddy. only got good. five minutes left what yeah. do you want to say <laughs> No, I, I uh, you know, I, uh, I kind of come from this this region uh, a little bit myself, um, and then I, I moved to Texas for a little bit. Uh, but like Texas was a very different experience from Philly, obviously. Uh, but I was in a blue city, so a somewhat blue city uh, during during the COVID lockdowns and everything. So yeah. so it was it was still very present and and familiar. Um, and a lot of the things that had honestly nothing to do with COVID, I think that we shared, uh, in like frustrations as far as just like, you know, I, I found myself getting very like, uh, anxious and I, I had a lot of anxiety because, you know, there was just so much going on and, and, uh, a lot of people who want to tell me what to do is <laughs> suddenly yeah. very present in my life. Um, whereas like I, I'm someone who really appreciates, uh, the community aspect, but I also appreciate, uh, being kind of left alone. So, yeah. so, so Kentucky for me was, uh, was sort of a, a natural next step. Um, of course there were, there were family aspects of, of that as well, but, but ultimately like I really love, uh, being able to, uh, step away, get into it, you know, whenever, get into like uh, the, the city life or the community life whenever uh, I can, but be ultimately be able to kind of step away and, and sit back and, and relax and, and reflect on those things. But, you know, one thing that, that kind of popped up in, in my mind as, as, as both of you were, were speaking 
ranting. Well, well you know, what, what, whatever you want to call it. Droning on. Um, um, was uh, this, this is one of the things that I really uh, discovered and, and really kind of pushed my understanding of, of what kind of a libertarian I even am whenever I was putting together the, the first season of, of my program. Um, and, and Chris, you and, you and I ha, had uh, spoke about this uh, a little bit in the fall about the, the, the Benjamin Franklin episode that, yeah. that, uh, that I, I put together. And, and basically this was kind of his like lightning in, in a bottle quality of like what he discovered, like true Liberty means. And it means getting, uh, getting the people in your community to have skin in the game, basically yeah. like, you can't expect everyone to automatically agree with you. You have to you have to be involved within with them in their in their lives. And as much as I would love to, you know, go back into uh, <laughs> yeah. to into a rural home with with no neighbors for for twenty miles or whatever, that sounds lovely. But the fact of the matter is, is that unless I get my neighbor to understand the the importance of liberty and a lot of that is going to come down to just getting them to know me and getting them to know who I am and 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 understand that I'm not just out to get them I don't just like want to strip them of their health care or strip them of like of of public education or, or something like that and it's reality is is I just want the best for them and to be able to to uh, to empower them with that sense of, of community is going to be the best shot that that any libertarian will ever have to to advance these these causes. Yeah, I mean, one one thing that we really try hard at the We Are Libertarians podcast network is <clears throat> to drive you to engage with your community, humanize the people that you don't agree with, so you'll be humanized to them. They'll see that you'll see that you have things in common. And that your differences aren't as far apart as the media makes it seem. Uh, in some ways, we're anti-media, we're anti-political, because we're trying to just get you to engage for change. Like, get out there and talk to people. Because the Pat Down and the Leaders and Legends podcast have been so transformational for me over the last three years, because I'm put in a position where I'm talking to two groups of people that I haven't spent my life around. Largely a Democratic audience... You guys thought I was going to say black, but that's true, too. <laughs> but I mean, largely liberal people. And then with Robert going and talking to the political establishment of my city that I railed against as a libertarian for 10 years. And you sit across from somebody that has a project that costs tens of millions of dollars, and you don't see that person as evil anymore. When you hear their rationale, you go, oh, man, this person thought that they were doing a good thing. And in some ways, there are some benefits. They just don't understand the long-term costs of their decision-making. Because their vanity wanted this one project. But then when you look at the whole picture, you go, that one project isn't just one project. It's a debt that has to be paid back, right? But they they then have a contact in me that then can hear a different perspective. Uh, and when we're out there talking to people, talking in our communities, engaging with each other, we're going to be a stronger people. And that's really what this network is about, is just really trying to encourage you you know, to understand our, our heritage and where, you know, through history, modern politics and profiles and liberty, how hard fought it was to get to where we're at, to have the prosperity that we have. The Chris Spengel Show, to engage in your community, to understand the issues so you sound informed and uh, trying to be anti-propaganda. Brian, out there, how to sell yourself, how to sell our ideas, how to talk to people. Hody, how to have 
modeled for you disagreements. Hody's show is modeling disagreements amongst people. How do you have these contentious arguments in a way that is, you know, which I don't know why he started with Chris Galt. That was a stupid decision, but he only lasted two episodes. Uh, You know, that's we're not a network that is trying to just interview libertarians about being libertarian. And that's not a knock on those guys. You can sit and talk libertarian philosophy all day long. But the We're Libertarians podcast network is about giving you talent and skills and information that help you to engage in your community. Um, so to both of you guys, I want to say thank you for being a part of the network. It's so great to have you you close. Uh, you know, you're two hours away now, you're an hour away and we're going to start doing a lot more stuff in person, start coming up with a lot more ways that we can engage, get back to maybe some live shows at some point and, and just do more stuff now that everybody's kind of, uh, ready to get back to real life. So anything you guys want to finish up with, we'll, we'll give Caleb the, we'll give you the last word actually, Brian, you go, you, anything you want to say, anything you want to promote, do you have the ability to promote yourself, please? I can try. Let's see. You can find me over at com. No, uh, you can, yeah, BrianNicholsShow.com. We do... So I was doing seven days a week just with a move. It's been crazy trying to keep up. So Destroys your life. Yeah, yeah well, we're going to get back into the swing of things now that I'm actually like getting my routine in order, yeah. which has been like the past month of just getting recalibrated. It's been like relearning how to ride a bike almost. Uh-huh. Um, so we're getting there. So All the things that went in the right places over here don't go in the right places. Now I don't have a joy for this. It's maddening i had to build my desk again it was a whole Uh, thing um so we're right now kind of five days a week we're gonna get back to seven soon so tbd in terms of when that will actually happen but in the meantime to stay up to date uh com is where you can go ahead and subscribe to the program uh we also have our morning sales huddle which is five days a week i am sending out a morning uh, email to my subscription list of ballpark i think like 250 or so people who have signed up and what it is is more or less one-on-one sales coach I used to do with my sales team back when I led a sales team out in the uh, the Northeast. And uh, it's real tangible things you can take and, and put into action right now to be a better sales pro, both in your day job if you're a sales professional, but also in the world of liberty. Yeah. Um, and as a sign of good faith for signing up, I also sent over a free copy of my ebook, Four Easy Steps You Can uh, Implement Now to Help Sell Liberty to Friends and Family, which uh, is the Tom Woods approach, right? So I'll send that to your your inbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other than that, though, uh, if I may be, be Nicholas Liberty. Will it cost me 9999 No, not. No, it'll cost you 9999 <laughs> emails uh, in your inbox. Uh, but no, Otherwise, find me at B Nichols Liberty, uh, Twitter and Facebook, and probably somewhere else once we uh, get nuked there. So, <laughs> yeah. Caleb, last thoughts and uh, shameless self promotion. Yeah. So uh, I, as as most of you will know who are listening, um, I am hosting Profiles in Liberty here on the We Are Libertarians Network. Uh, it has honestly been one of the most rewarding uh, experiences that I can I can possibly ask for. Just because personally, I am I'm getting a lot out of the stories, even even if no one else does. I I am. Your but Frederick, I, your, I, Frederick your Frederick Douglass episodes were amazing. Was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I find that um, there's there's something to be said and a, and a lot of, of wisdom in uh, the people who've come before us, and and honestly, a lot of things that we are still discussing today that we act like we've <laughs> you know never never encountered a solution to this. These people already figured this this kind of. I'm stuff reading out. this book called Buckley about William F. Buckley in the beginning of the conservative movement. Yeah, you should read it. It's it is literally the Republican Party today. Yeah, they're yeah. they're no different. Two thousand twenty. We, we act were, like yeah. the this is like we're we're coming up with new solutions and and all these like 
these eureka moments when we we figure this kind of stuff out and it's like like frederick Douglass or someone like thomas jefferson or, or john adams you know back in the in the founding era they already knew this kind of stuff and, yeah. and we just need to to remember it and and we need to to figure out what that meant for them and what that the what liberty meant for them uh and i think that we can get a lot out of it with the with the issues that we're facing today um so currently profiles in liberty is running through season two it is about halfway through uh right now uh there is going to be uh four episodes a month so for for two months uh is is the season so eight eight episodes a season uh and then i'm about to get started writing the scripts for season three which i am incredibly excited uh i'm not not quite ready to talk about the theme there but it's it's going to be uh it's going to be a lot of fun you put a lot of work into it i mean it's it's yeah. a dan carlin effort uh, yeah dan yeah. carlin light i won't but you you really you can tell that you read a lot you put a lot of perspectives into it and, and it's like dan well, carlin light because it's not like four hours long right, exactly yeah. <laughs> it's not that much research yeah well i it's mean a lot you, you know tell. it's it's like it it consumes a lot of my free time it uh honestly but but it's it's the kind of stuff that i i really do enjoy uh, spending a lot of time doing because as I as I mentioned uh, I'm getting a lot out of these stories and I'm I'm hoping that other people do too but if, if nothing else you know it's it's enriching me and it's it's kind of enlightening my understanding of, of the world around me and and the world that uh, that has been shaped throughout history around me um, so I I would highly encourage you all to get, to go check it out uh, we have uh, I think 12 episodes out right now total uh, between the the two seasons um i'm gonna have two seasons this month or excuse me this uh this year uh to come out season two and season three so there's there's a lot of great content coming down the pipes sweet all right well thank you guys for being here and thank you to listening for to for to uh, the Chris Spangle show. Oh, he so had nice a stroke. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. poor Chris. <laughs> we'll wrap things up. Don't worry, folks. Brian Nichols here on We Are Libertarians. Have a good one. Thanks. All right. See y'all later.